Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Product Marketing Life podcast, which is brought to you by Product Marketing Alliance. My name's Bryony Pierce, and I'm the content manager here at BMA. This week's podcast is sponsored by Product Marketing Core. Meta, we know. PMMC is our very own product marketing certification program, and it covers the A to Z of product marketing essentials. With 11 modules, 68 chapters, 87 exam questions, 10 plus hours worth of learning, and official PMA certification, it's a course not to be missed. Head to pmmalliance.co forward slash PMMC for more info. As part of this series, we're connecting with product marketers all over the world about topics they're super passionate about. And in this episode, we'll be speaking to Laura Jones, the global head of product marketing at Uber, about design thinking. Laura's been at Uber since June 2015 and manages a team of 65 plus product marketers. And before joining Uber, she spent almost four years at another global giant, Google. I'll let Laura dig into a current role more for herself, but for now, welcome to the show, Laura. Thanks so much. I'm so happy to be here. I know it's great to have you here. Um, I guess, could we just kick off with a bit of a background into you, um, your role, and then Uber? Yeah, so I've been at Uber almost five years and have been lucky enough to really kind of build the product marketing team from the ground up. And then so over that time, I've gotten to hire some of the best product marketers out there and brought this team together. Um, We span all of Uber's product offerings from rides to Uber Eats to our bikes and scooters and all the way through to autonomous vehicles and flying cars. So it's a, it's a pretty exciting role that, that we all get to play here at Uber. And then before I kind of dive into the whole design thinking element of the pod, obviously with such a large team, out of curiosity, how was that kind of structured? Yeah, so we really map our structure to the product team. And initially, product marketing rolled up into the chief product officer until we um, kind of had marketing as its own proper organization, which actually took a few years, as as often it does at these these um, growing tech companies. So um, our heritage has always been mapping ourselves to the product team. And as such, um, we have a team kind of embedded with the Rides product team, with the Eats product team. And right on through. And that really enables us to align all of our work and um, with the cross-functional group that's developing the product roadmap. Okay, cool. And then kind of moving on to obviously design thinking, how did you first kind of come across this? Is it something that kind of you were taught or you stumbled across online or? Yeah, it's a great question. And when I um, was looking to and kind of jumpstart my career in my early 20s. I'd been in management consulting and was feeling a little um, just kind of in need of, of some inspiration and wanted to bring some more creativity into my work and um, was thinking about graduate programs that I might I might enroll in. And that's when I found out about the Stanford Design School, otherwise known as the D School. Um, and yeah, just kind of happened across it through word of mouth. And this was um, a long time ago, 2007, if you can believe it. Um, and at the time, the D School was just a trailer um, with a little plastic sign out front on the Stanford campus. And I went and I kind of had this sense that inside the trailer was something that was going to change my life. And in the end, um, I applied to, to Stanford for the business school program and, and spent, I think I became famous for being the only person or the first person, I guess, that had ever applied to Stanford Business School only to go to the D School <laughs> um, and ended up spending pretty much all of my time um, at the D School 
um, in, in the early days there and really learned there from, from the best, um, kind of the original crew um, from IDEO and, and from a lot of the places that kind of first um, developed this methodology. And that kind of set me off um, into a lifelong passion for applying design thinking into kind of real life business challenges. Mm-hmm. And then I guess for anyone who's brand new to the design thinking concept itself, can you just give us a bit of kind of a breakdown as to what it actually is? Yeah, it's a great question. I think design as a word has a lot of baggage and a lot of intimidation. It feels kind of inaccessible or um, something that only some people can do. Um, what I love about design thinking is that it kind of hypothesizes that creativity is a skill that can be learned. Um, and design thinking itself, I like to describe as kind of an approach to innovation that focuses on the user. Um, and it's something that, you know, you can learn about, read about, practice, um, and and over time um, sharpen your ability to come up with really effective um, and, and great ideas um, and, and products and, and marketing campaigns that are all centered around kind of core user needs. So I really think of it as um, design being an approach or a process um, rather than kind of a, an esoteric concept that lives somewhere, you know, that's inaccessible to us mortals. Mm-hmm. And then what kind of, if we were to dive into it, what would you say, like, are the principles of design thinking? Yeah, so, you know, when I was at Stanford and, you know, it was kind of taught in, I guess, the kind of design, early, early design thinking, you know, 1.0 model where it was a very structured process um, around key phases. So, you know, empathize, define, ideate, prototype, test, iterate, and visualize typically through um, the now iconic double diamond. And as it has evolved, as as the methodology has evolved, as the literature has evolved, as people have um, practiced it in so many different fields from, you know, medicine to fashion design to consumer packaged goods to tech, um, I think design thinking has now evolved in and of itself. And, and now I do think of it, I like your word principles, as less of a a firmly sequenced process and more as just a set of principles, things like having a bias for action or showing rather than telling or um, being really focused on finding the insight and and being mindful of mode. Are you opening up possibilities or are you trying to focus in on a single solution? Um, And so now um, when I teach it to to folks on my team or when I go back to Stanford to teach, um, I like to introduce both, think of both kind of the idealized process that has those neatly defined phases um, and then the kind of more field ready approach where you have kind of a toolkit of different um, practices and different types of thinking that you can bring to a problem that's a bit more modular and a bit more flexible. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of touched on it there anyway. So if people are coming like new recruits to the product marketing team, they're coming and they're brand new to this design thinking concept, is this something that's just kind of nurtured into that onboarding to get them familiar with it? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think <laughs> this is an area that I always aspire to do more on. And I think um, at various junctures, both at Google and at Uber, um, we've been more or less formal about the way we teach it. Now, what's lucky about both Google and Uber is that really the entire product org is um, structured around this approach. And so anytime we kick off a new um, product work stream, it always starts with insights and then it always goes into um, kind of point of view development in the form of a PRD and then ideation. So this is all baked into the way we work. But in terms of kind of formalized education, um, at, at junctures, I, I can't say I'm great about doing this kind of always every every six months, but I, 
have aspired to and, and on some occasions <laughs> actually accomplished and kind of having a cadence of trainings uh, where myself or folks from our UX design team um, will partner together and, and run training workshops. So we've done a number of those at Uber um, and certainly did, did many of those. And it's a bit more formalized um, uh, to this day still at Google, this kind of design thinking training program. Um, but for folks who, who join at a time when that's not, you know, just around the corner often, um, we'll refer them to kind of resources. And um, certainly because this is my passion and, and my own kind of um, fundamental, you know, approach to all product marketing, it's baked into, as you said, all of the onboarding materials. We have um, what we call our product marketing playbook that is kind of the founding document of the team. And and that really starts to outline how uh, we expect product marketers to bring the design thinking approach. Um, and certainly each person's manager will be working with them on a daily basis to make sure that their work is insights driven and, and that it's reflecting all of these principles that are kind of fundamental to the way we practice. Mm-hmm. And is this something that's kind of company wide at Uber or is it like a product marketing thing or? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think the entire product org really has um, rallied around, you know, whether we call it um, design thinking or user-centered design. And in fact, the entire structure of the team and, and the way we work um, is reflective of that being kind of a founding principle of the product org. I was very lucky that, again, some of the, the people that were early on at Uber um, came from, from other companies that really valued this as an approach. And so um, the fact that product marketing is at the table across the product development life cycle, that we're there even before we know what we're building, um, is in, in and of itself, um, I think, a reflection of the fact that um, there's recognition that uh, user insights need to be at, at the core of all of our products. Similarly, the existence and the centrality of our UX, our UX research team um, also points to that. So, Often at the early phases of um, the product development lifecycle in planning, you'll see product marketing partnering with UX research, data science, and marketing and consumer research to kind of paint a 360-degree view of the consumer and really start to hone in on what are the key needs that we should be building for. And then those same insights that inform the product roadmap are carried through as we work on the go-to-market plan, as we brief in marketing campaigns, all of those foundational insights are the same ones that underpin not only the product, but actually the communications and marketing materials as well. And then you mentioned the kind of six monthly workshops or like near enough to six month workshops. Yeah. Like what did like, what's the flow of them? Like what's the structure and what kind of stuff will you do in those workshops? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, again, because I, uh, learned about design thinking at Stanford, I, I really internalized a lot of the early lessons there and, there, I'd say every training I've done is modeled off of the iconic uh, wallet exercise. And, and and this, I think, now has a lore of its own, at least in the Valley. And so um, when, you know, design thinking is often taught, not so much at the D school, but when the D school is out kind of doing exec ed or, or teaching, you know, another group of students about design thinking. Um, at that time, we love to do what we call the wallet exercise, which is giving um a brief to, to the team, if you will, and, and these are kind of small sub-teams um, w- within a group um, to say, you know, your task is to redesign the wallet and, and, and to give, you know, kind of a, a one or two hour time box window in which um, a group of folks would need to go through the entire design thinking process 
and go through each of those phases and go through kind of all of the key activities that you might go through, you know, over the course of many months, you know, in a tech company as you're really designing a product or over the course of a few weeks in the, in the context of a sprint. Um, but to condense that all into really the shortest possible time, give a very seemingly simple task like redesign the wallet that's very open-ended um, and really take people through the experience of, um, you know, doing user interviews, going through empathy, empathy mapping, dividing a POV, going through a brainstorm, sticker voting, prototyping, testing, and coming out with the final product. Um, and so you get that sense in, in an activity like that of kind of like the pace and the urgency um, and really that, that kind of team, galv- the, 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 the galvanizing effect on a team that occurs when you are all kind of single-mindedly focused on, on an end goal and, and in delighting the user with kind of what you produce. Um, and so that model is at the foundation of kind of everything, this idea of learning by doing. And so, you know, to bring this back to what I do at Uber, um, typically what we'll do is try to find a relevant um, challenge area. So, for example, redesign the commute or um, something that's, that speaks to a business challenge that's relevant to um, our industry. And again, with, um, you know, kind of that accessible user base. So if we're talking about redesigning the commute, I can interview you and learn all about your commute and, and redesign your commute without having to go, you know, do some lengthy research, right? And so it just gives people that muscle memory of like, what does it feel like to ask questions and listen? And what does it feel like to try to solve a problem in a group? And then what does it feel like to go back to a user with the prototype you've designed and have them beat it up and give feedback and, and really kind of get, get out of your own head and really solve someone else's problems without bringing all of your own biases to bear. Mm-hmm. And then it sounds like the kind of design thinking concept can be applied to lots of different scenarios, activities, projects. Would you say there are any kind of product marketing kind of activities or projects, for example, that are more so suited to applying this design thinking concept than others? Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that it's it's not that it's more or less suited. I think that what I would find is that uh, it's it's more obvious in some cases than others, right? So, one thing that that I hear a lot, you know, as as I'll introduce people to this way of thinking is, gee, this this sounds like it would work really well if I happen to be hired, you know, it, right in the beginning of planning, and I can go out and faithfully replicate this process. I can collect these insights, I can package them up, I can lead the cross-functional team through this point of view development, and then we can, you know, do a lot of brainstorms, but gee, what happens if I'm hired the day after the brainstorm, right? And all of a sudden I come in and the team already knows what they're going to build and it's already been codified and and now I've missed out on part of it. How do I how do I practice this? And this is where I go back to that earlier concept of kind of letting go of the formalized process and instead thinking of this as, a, as an approach or a series of uh, mindsets even that you would bring to work. And um, and I think the best example I can give of this is from very early in, in my marketing career, right after I graduated from um, business school. So my first job out of business school, I went to work at Visa. And in, in one of my first weeks, my boss said, gee, I, I want you to present um, some of our kind of consumer insights to the whole company or rather to the whole marketing org. Um, and he kind of handed me a giant stack of reports and it looked daunting and if I'm being honest maybe even a little boring I was going to have to go through all of these reports and summarize them and I it just felt like the work I had tried to get away from when I left consulting and it's 
instead of kind of drudging through and doing it the way that I was always, you know, that I would have would have normally done that, made a kind of PowerPoint deck with some facts and figures, kind of stepped back and I said, you know what, I'm a design thinker. I need to approach this differently. And I I really challenged myself to say, okay, what's the purpose of this presentation? And thinking about, you know, who's the audience? And what I what I realized is that, you know, the audience is, is my peers and my coworkers. And, and the purpose is to really inspire and shape their thinking. So the most important thing I really needed to do was capture their attention. And whether they remembered the exact factor figures, the most important thing was that they would get the feeling and that deep empathy for how are users feeling. And this was 2009, so it was coming out of, you know, or, or right in the heart of a pretty bad recession. We're in the financial services industry, um, and there was a real deficit of trust amongst consumers. So instead of <laughs> making, you know, a normal PowerPoint, I decided to make a short video and set it to music. And, and it was kind of, you know, a, did some poll quotes from from the consumer research, did manage to get some charts in there, but they were, you know, highly abstracted. And basically it was kind of a five chapter story just going through kind of the five key mindsets of consumers and and really had kind of a, a human scrappy feel to it. And I'll never forget, you know, I get up to to present and everyone's expecting this kind of, you know, wonky presentation on all the facts and figures and instead I dim the lights and hit play and again at the time Visa was you know a pretty um you know conservative environment and I think everyone was just like who is this person and what is she doing but I think it was effective in that it did really capture people's attention it wasn't what they expected and it left them with a, a really um you know indelible impression of kind of what the consumer mindset was and for me this is a great example of like was that design thinking? I don't know. It, it might have been, it might not have been, but it achieved the objective of um, having a bias for action and doing something that's kind of surprising to change someone's behavior and, and really bring that deep sense of empathy. And, and I always kind of come away with, if I was successful in changing someone's mind or better yet, changing their behavior, then I successfully executed design thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. That's really just an example as well. Do you have any other examples, maybe like most recently at Uber or Google, is again, like how you apply this design thinking? Yeah. So um, one of my favorite projects um, at Uber where we did this was when we redesigned our driver app. Um, and so I think all of us out there know what it feels like to be an Uber rider. We do this all the time. Um, but in order to, you know, think about how we could make our driver app better, it really required us to, um, again, kind of, move out of our own heads and, and really get into empathy mode and, and spend um, deep, deep time and, and gather deep understanding of our users. So of our drivers rather. So we um, did a few things. I think one of the, the most important and, and pivotal ones was we sent our team of product marketers and UX researchers and product managers all around the world. And they did drive alongs with our drivers first with the old app, and then as we started to build iterations on the new app with different builds of the new app, and we actually enrolled uh, 500 drivers around the world as beta drivers, and they had access to our what our, we call our bugonizer, which is our bug reporting system. And they were emailing and, and g-chatting our product managers and really just sharing real-time feedback and input. And, and by gathering all this information, we were able to build something that was really reflective of their needs. And meanwhile, um, you know, thinking about, hey, we're also going to have to to bring this product to market. We started to film some of these drive-alongs and um, really collected a lot of artifacts and and um, visual reference materials from this beta process, so that 
as we started to move from product development into go to market, um, we were able to tell a story to drivers that really reflected this journey we'd been on um, and helped instill trust because we knew that drivers would feel skeptical and kind of averse to change. It's really hard when an app that you rely on every day doesn't doesn't work as it used to. Um, and so we needed to, them to believe that this change was really, you know, for the better, done in their interest to make their lives easier ultimately. Um, and so by sharing the story of this kind of co-creation journey, we were not only able to build a better product, we were also able to have a better launch and more effective product marketing because we were able to tell the story um, of this being an app that we really built together for drivers with drivers. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That's really interesting. Thank you. Um, and I guess for anyone who's listening to this now thinking maybe, you know, they need to design thinking, they want to go away and they want to implement design thinking to their setup. Like, how would they go about doing that? Like, what would your kind of next step plan be for them? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think um, a few thoughts. First, you know, from a, a resources standpoint, um, there's some great books and resources out there. And the kind of, uh, you know, godfathers of the industry, David Kelly and Tom Kelly, um, have co-written some books, including The Art of Innovation. Jake Knapp, who uh, was a colleague at Google, and wrote Sprint, which I think is one of the, the best books out there on the process. Um, and then IDEO has a ton of amazing resources online, including um, some online courses that, that you can do to kind of learn about the process. Um, and then, you know, as you kind of move out of gee, learning about design thinking, understanding the practice of it to applying it in your day to day life. And um, I think there there's kind of two options. One is, again, to, to um go through this kind of formalized um, sprint type process where you actually bring an entire cross-functional team together and say, hey, let's let's execute a design sprint. And again, Jake Knapp's book can be a really great reference for, you know, every step from, you know, the amount of time you need to the type of space you need to the type of materials you need. Um, so you could you could go and actually, you know, do a design sprint with your cross-functional partners. But if that is something that's not accessible and um, you can even be a bit more simplistic about it and, and practice it um, independently, almost as a mindfulness kind of exercise. So it goes back to that story about me at Visa sitting alone at my desk with a stack of papers. You know, I didn't have a cross-functional team. We weren't tasked with, you know, designing a product. It was just me and a stack of papers. But um, I would encourage people that find themselves in that situation to um, really get curious and, and don't just approach something the way you would always approach it. Um, to me, design thinking starts with when you when you ask the question, why? Why am I doing this? Um, and then ask the question about who is it for? So who's the audience? Um, what do they care about? What what makes this meaningful? How how might I, you know, catch their attention? Um, and then really thinking about kind of like what the end goal is. Uh, most often with design thinking, again, the goal is to change someone's behavior or change their mind. Um, so if you start to think about kind of why you're doing something, who the audience is, what the desired outcome is, um, and then ask yourself, how might I approach this differently? That is kind of the prompt that will set you off on a different course that will be inherently more user-centric, more attention-grabbing, and more effective um, than just kind of going through the motion of, um, you know, kind of replicating old processes that, that don't necessarily always get those outcomes that you're wanting. Mm-hmm. And then this is obviously something you've been kind of super invested in for years now, um, and obviously, over that time, you've probably read a lot about design thinking, seen a lot about design thinking. Is there anything that you've kind of read, heard or seen 
um, and maybe constitutes a best practice, but that you wouldn't really recommend people to maybe go and follow if they were starting this themselves? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it just it comes down to, um, you know, working, working with the resources you have. And again, going back to the idea of like a cross-functional design sprint versus you at your desk. I think it's it's just remembering that, um, again, ultimately, um, the the ideal pre- conditions for design thinking are, are pretty hard to come across. And, you know, it, even when you are a huge advocate like myself, you know, the times when you can actually set aside a week and participate in a full design sprint um, are not going to be as often as you might like. Um, and so I think just not not feeling so bound by that and not feeling like the only way I can practice design thinking is if I have, you know, um, this perfect setup and this perfect kind of um, task ahead of me. And instead just saying, you know what, I'm going to break down the barriers and really anything I do can be a playground for design thinking if I carry this within myself. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Well, I have asked all my questions. However, I've put this out to our Slack community to see if anyone else had any questions and a fair few came in. So I'm just going to work through some questions that come in from the community. Um, and the first one is, does design thinking differ depending on if you're in a B2B or B2C environment? And if it does, like, what are those main differences? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think it's... A- in a way, um, it does differ. It, the process is the same, but the, the way of getting those insights is going to differ a little bit. And here's why. Because from a consumer standpoint, um, yes, there are different kinds of consumers. There are different segments. But in some ways, if I'm just trying to redesign a commute, I can talk to you. I can talk to my husband. I can, you know, talk to my mom. You know, great. I've got a ton of people all around me that are consumers. When you get into B2B, the roles are much more specialized. And so when you're thinking about what does a travel manager or a company want, um, all of a sudden I can't just call you, you know, or call my mom. That's not going to work. They're, you know, neither of you guys are travel managers at, at a Fortune 500 company. So then I have to be a little bit um, either more creative or more or, um, you know, a bit more structured in how I'm going to do my research. So, um, you know, I think that's where uh, having, for example, like advisory boards. So again, kind of coming back to Uber, when we think we we have a relatively significant B two B portion of the business, and um, in Uber for Business and some of our other ventures like Freight, um, and so when we do need to get consumer insights, um, it's different. You're not necessarily running kind of a, a focus group or large end quant research. You're you might you know have an advisory council or um, you know work in in other kind of smaller forums where because the customer base is so much smaller and it's it's more of this kind of co-creation like we I was discussing with drivers where um you are going to have to engage a bit more selectively and and really kind of bring them into the design process so that they can understand and 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 feel that you know they're being listened to they have a say in the roadmap and and that you are treating them both as kind of that that subject of your research, but also as your client, right? And and also treating them with kind of the deference um, and and being careful that you're not you know setting expectations when you're in that kind of ideation mode that you're going to necessarily deliver that entire roadmap that they just wished for. So I think it's definitely a bit um, harder and more complicated on the user research side. But once you get those insights and once you know 
um, what the core needs of that consumer or I'm sorry, or that that audience in, in this case, a, um, a user within a B2B setting um, is you you can then, again, kind of go through the same the same process or apply those same mindsets. Um, but, you know, thinking through the research and thinking through how you're going to do testing um, is going to is going to require close coordination with probably your sales team. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Um, and the next one, we've kind of touched on this at points throughout the podcast, but kind of day to day, week to week, kind of which product marketing activities do you or your teams like mostly apply the design thinking concept to? Yeah, so I think it varies. You know, one of the great things about having such a large team across so many different um, business lines at various phases of maturity is it's there are wildly different activities going on within the product marketing team um, on any given day. Um, so, you know, just to pull a, a recent one and, you know, again, like the sprint in some ways is the most recognizable form of design thinking that, that you can point to. If you look, you know, across my team on any given week, you know, if someone's doing a design sprint, that would be um, a very obvious instance of kind of design thinking being practiced. And in fact, we just wrapped up, and about a week ago, a really great design sprint thinking through our loyalty ecosystem. So we have a, a consumer loyalty program, Uber Rewards, and we have a subscription product across our Rides and Eats um, LOBs. And so we have been thinking a lot about, you know, how do we evolve these? What do people value about these? And, and what are opportunities where we can actually make these more effective programs? And so, and um, you know, that that was a very obvious kind of design thinking activity that was going on. But, you know, another another great example of something that, that the team does, which I think in some ways to me is like one of the things um, that I hold in highest regard is we'll do employee driving. So um, our our driver team and certainly our entire product marketing team is encouraged to go out and drive for Uber and use the app and pick up passengers and really understand, you know, what works and what doesn't about that experience. And so that's something that um, we're really always encouraging people as they join the team to spend time doing. Um, They can also do food deliveries, but really not just put on that consumer hat, but also put on the earner hat. Um, And in most recently, obviously right now we're, we're in the midst of this global pandemic of coronavirus. So no one um, on the team is, is actively out driving, but uh, just last week we did have team members out at a Greenlight hub distributing masks and hand sanitizers to drivers. And again, that simple touch point of going out and interacting with drivers, especially at a moment like this, which is an incredibly stressful one for everyone, and especially for our drivers who whose work um, has become harder, more dangerous, and and frankly, uh, you know, obviously global demand for ride sharing is down. And so having that touch point and understanding, you know, where where are they at from a psychological standpoint, from a mental standpoint, how can we help them, and um, how do we support them as best we can. Um, that was a really powerful touch point, and um, I'm really proud of the team members that went out there and, and engaged in that because the insights that they gathered were invaluable, and I think the actions we can take as a company to better support drivers um, is going to be much better having had that kind of one-on-one conversation. Mm-hmm. This is kind of kind of going off topic a little bit from design thinking, but in terms of when you get these insights like, and the company-wide impacts of them, What's the culture like at Uber in terms of product marketing? Do you have quite um, like a big voice, um, level of influence, uh, support and that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think that people over time have really come to value the insights that and product marketing and 
and, and really the whole marketing team are able to garner both through these kind of um, real life interactions through focus groups, through quantitative research. And, you know, Uber is a company that really values data and, and it is very data driven. And in that way, and because we have so many different types of data from quantitative to qualitative, um, we are able to really influence leadership, to influence product, um, to influence ops in, in decisions that get made because we are serving as the voice of the customer. And, and Uber is ultimately, um, because it's data-centric in that way, it's also customer-centric because we really want to know what is going on um, and use that as the basis for the decisions that we're making. Okay, awesome. And then final question from the community. Um, so Design Sprint, which is a declination of design thinking born at Google Ventures, um, has been growing big in recent years. One of the main challenges of product marketing is to align sales, marketing and product teams around this common vision and strategy. Do you think the principle of the Design Sprint could be applied to product marketing topics? Yes, I mean, that's, that is, we do that all the time. You know, as I said, one of my team members, um, you know, has just finished up the design sprint. And again, because I don't really distinguish between product and product marketing. To me, they are, um, the, the same activity, just different phases in the life cycle, if you will, or different work streams that, that both span all the phases of the life cycle. So, um, we will frequently do design sprints where we, have both, you know, product managers, product marketers, uh, as well as designers, UX researchers coming together and uncovering insights, which then inform the product roadmap. They inform the value proposition, the positioning, the go-to-market strategy, and 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 certainly the the actual creative itself. So, um, yeah, I think design sprints to me are um, – kind of the, in some ways the purest form of practice of design thinking that you'll get in, in at least a tech company um, and would certainly encourage people to um, familiarize themselves with that methodology. Again, Jake Knapp has a great book called Sprint. Um, he is really the, the founding father of the Sprint methodology. Um, and, you know, uh, try those out in your workplace. Again, one of the key insights that Jake will often reference in, in the, the creation of the Sprint methodology was, very much around marketing. And it was the insight that when he was at Microsoft and they would develop a product kind of uh, with, with whatever specs and hand it over to marketing to do the box design. And often what marketing would want to put on the box didn't really match what they had built. And that was a really good indication that what they had built wasn't going to be marketable. And so instead I always say product marketing and marketing cannot be an afterthought. It has to be built into the product from day one. And by going through a design sprint as a cross-functional team together, you can make sure that the same insight that informs the product is the insight that informs the marketing so that when you get out there and market it, um, you're marketing something that really reflects a true user need um, and that the product kind of faithfully will deliver once someone takes it out of the box or, or downloads it from the app store so that um, you're really delivering that value that you know is going to resonate with the user. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Well, that's all the questions from me and the community. Um, I just want to say thank you for taking some time out to speak to us today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, really great to, to have this conversation. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, 
Here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.